The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg, I'm Rob Steele, and have you ever heard of Development Hell? Because there have been a lot of movies. They say, we're going to make this movie, and it never shows up. It gets stuck in what's called Development Hell, where they try to put everything together, and it just never it never works. But this week, and I'm I'm throwing this out because I'm I'm kind of happy for them. Uh, and it's it's not a movie or a TV show. It's a video game called Metroid Dread that has been in development hell for 16 years. <laughs> it's coming out in October on the Nintendo Switch. It looks good. Yay for them. Metroid. Forever. Ten minutes after I found that story, I found that they're making a Polly Pocket movie. Yes. Now, the reason I bring that up Metroid was in development hell for 16 years. Polly Pocket was a toy that came out in the early 90s. Oh my god. That's development hell. Um, I, I remember my, my, my oldest daughter playing with those. And she's in her... Uh, I'm not allowed to tell how old she is, but I'll go with late 20s. Um, wow. That's a bit long gestating. Is that a good way of phrasing it, I guess? Yes, like an elephant. <clears throat> Something like that. But, Although, Dune, which was also long gestating, uh, has been delayed until October 22nd, but it has nothing to do with production or development hell or anything. And I kind of like this idea. The idea to put it on October 22nd, instead of the first, is to give it space between the Bond movie No Time to Die, which is coming out on the 8th, and Marvel's Eternals, which is coming out November 5th. So it'll have its own little space where it can be the number one movie of the week without those two getting in the way. In theory. In theory. I keep forgetting that No Time to Die is supposed to come out. So... No Time to Release. That's what it's going to be called eventually. Well, you'd think, anyway. I, I am disappointed that there is still not an Eternals trailer, but a second trailer for Shang-Chi came out this week, and it gave more storyline, and I think it looks good. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I was actually talking with my daughter in prepo. Hi, Ted! And His daughter is not named Ted. Yeah, maybe. Just, and, to, just to clarify. Because, Ted, I am your, I am your father. Um, so... The first trailer looked really good, but it didn't look like it was in the Marvel Universe. I mean, it looked fun, but it looked like, oh, this is going to be a really cool kung fu movie. But where's, how the hell does this tie into Marvel? This, as you said, gives us more plot, and this ties it into the Marvel Universe. So I really liked this trailer. Um, if you haven't seen the trailer, there's a couple of very interesting cameos. So, yeah, go watch the trailer because it's very cool. And spoiler alert, the abomination. I did say spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen the trailer by the time you listen to this, it's not my fault because I said spoiler alert. You should have gone na 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 for 10 seconds. Very cool to see that character back in. Very unexpected because how the hell does this fit in with Shang-Chi? But when you see the trailer, you see how the character fits in. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. So... Very, I'm, I was excited to see Shang-Chi anyway, but now I'm really stoked. Now this looks like this could actually possibly, not possibly, probably will be one of the better Marvel films 
I don't know how that can happen because most of them are so damn good. But really stoked for this. Uh, I, I like the twist they've given the Ten Rings. Um, yeah. I like the, the twist they've given to the Mandarin. And, he, I mean, this just looks really, really good. And, as my daughter said again in pre-pro, uh, it's got Michelle Yeoh. So that alone, that alone, that's guaranteed a minimum of two stars just that she's in the damn film. So I'll agree. Super stoked for, for this. And it comes out in September. So very, I mean, that's one thing when we're talking about the, the Marvel super trailer, when we talked about it last week, these movies, of course, we didn't have any for a year. I mean, they're just like, bam, bam, Black Widow comes out, what, in a couple of weeks? And then a couple of months uh, later. Like a week and a half, maybe. Yeah, Shang-Chi. And I mean, it's just, bam, 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 bam. We're getting so many of these things coming out. Very, very, I mean, by the time Loki wraps up, it's going to be Black Widow time. Actually, Black Widow's going to come out before Loki wraps up. Yeah. So it's it's very nice to be truly back in the Marvel universe. Very, very cool. I'm happy. You know, I, I can make you further happy Maybe. by telling you about the first movie I saw this week. You tell me about it's one that both of us were looking forward to. Yes. Uh, it's not Marvel. It is DC. Yes. But you know what? It's one of the animated ones, so it, there's a good chance it's going to be okay. I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. The Long <laughs> Halloween Part 1. We've been looking forward to this because yes. this is an incredible Batman story. If you don't know it, track down a paperback of it or something. Check it out. It's. I'm going to recommend this to any Bat fan or anyone who's thought about being a fan of the Batman. Yeah, it's one of the best comic arcs. Period. It's great. It really is. Um, little bit of the storyline here. On the verge of having a member of the Falcone crime family turn state's evidence, he's murdered. On Halloween, thus the title. And this starts a war among the crime families of Gotham. So this is really kind of a Godfather gangster movie with a murder mystery on top, which is cool. Um, but more murders happen, and they happen on subsequent holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And it's also very early on in the Bat career, so Bruce hasn't really gotten that good at being a detective yet. This is the story where he figures out, maybe I should be a good detective and not just pop up and beat the crap out of people. Yeah. Um, now, there's a lot of cameos in this. There's uh, of, of Bat villains. You've got the Mad Hatter, Penguin, Scarecrow. Uh, Solomon Grundy has a bit part. Joker has a bit more than a cameo. Uh, Harvey Dent is a main character, but he's not Two-Face yet. Uh, Catwoman is an integral player in the film. Um, and yes, this is based on the Jeff Loeb story that you really need to... You, you need to just watch this because it's really good. But there are a couple issues that I do have with it. Ah. Just a, a little, a couple minor picky things. Um, mainly cars. Mm. The, the animation in this is augmented with computers. It's not all hand-drawn. And I don't mind computer assistance in the animation of running or talking or lighting or whatever. But car chases, they haven't really gotten, gotten a hold of yet. Basically, think the first Tron light cycle scene. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not quite that bad, but... Wow, it's not uh, turning at right corners. 
No, cars don't do that. Uh, the guys on Top Gear cannot make cars do that. It doesn't happen. <clears throat> but for the most part, uh, even the art and the animation was good. I didn't particularly care for the Batmobile design, but that's me being picky. Um, the voice cast is not one I'm used to, but I liked it. Uh, Jensen Ackles played Batman. Troy Baker was the Joker. Billy Burke uh, was uh, Captain, not Commissioner Gordon. Um, Certainly. None of them really stood out as being off. There wasn't one you go, that's not the voice this guy should have. They all worked out nicely. It's good. It's worth watching. It is available on Amazon Prime Video, DVD, and Blu-ray. It is rated R because of the story. And it's got a second half. That's why I said it was The Long Halloween Part 1. Part 2 comes out July 27th. Yes, there is a cliffhanger. Yes, there is a post-credit scene. Oh. And yes, you should watch this. It's really good. For, for those of you thinking that's way too many characters to cram into one movie, because that's a downfall a lot of times. Not in this case, because like you said, this is part right. one of two. And this is, is it a 12 comic arc or 13? I don't remember. Anyway. I wanted to say it was a little, I wanted to say it was more in the 15 area. I don't remember, but it, it was not a short series. Yeah, it's a long series. So they and like did I said, the, the, the Mad Hatter, Penguin, and Scarecrow are just, oh, look, there they are, and then they're gone. They, they don't have, I don't even think they have any lines. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, those characters are all in the original series, and just in the same thing in that series. They're just kind of there, because this is, it's, it's, this is not Batman year one, but this is Batman year early. And yeah. like you said, he's figuring out, he's on his way to becoming the world's greatest detective. And that's one of the reasons why so many people love this, because this is, Batman as a detective, which makes it really, yeah, it puts it on a different level from most of the Batman. So, and, and by all means, you'll see Batman being flawed in this and you're not used to seeing that. Yeah. Which it points out one of the differences that makes Batman one of the best comics characters ever because he's a human being. And that's what really sets him apart from so many of the other characters. And yeah, this is easily one of the best yeah, let me go past that. This is one of the best stories, period. Let's go beyond comics. This is just a great story. So I've really been looking forward to it and glad to hear that they uh, apparently they did, didn't screw it up. Did it justice. Yeah, because lately DC animation has been a little spotty. Some they've some of their stuff's been great, and some of their stuff has been what the hell are they doing? So really good and really important that they got this one right above all. So I'm, I'm just hoping they keep it up for part two. I'll be very happy. Very, very cool. Well, th there are some horrific characters in in this. And after all, it is about a serial killer. And, and it's rated R for a reason. Yeah. So I, I tie in with this because one of the films I watched is about a serial killer. Hey. Not in the DC universe. This is called Knuckleball. Now, several months ago, I reviewed a movie called Knuckleball, which is a documentary about that rare breed and currently non-existent breed of baseball hurlers, which throw a knuckleball. Well, this does have something to do with a knuckleball, but only incidentally. So this is a 2018 horror film from Canada, uh, more of a thriller than a horror film. And this is about a young boy who is dumped off at grandpa's because mom and dad are going off on a trip. And they're dumping him off with Grandpa. And Grandpa's kind of kind of odd, kind of strict, totally a hard ass, played by Michael Ironside, 
No shock he plays a hard ass. <laughs> I can't believe they got Michael Ironside to do that. Now, that being said, Michael Ironside is a terrific actor. And he's not just, he doesn't just phone it in. He's excellent. And he's not over the top. as a, He's very believable as a person in his, his late 60s, 70s. That's, I mean, that's the character. And growing up in that time, he probably would be kind of a hard ass. And that's it totally fits. But it's not over the top at all. So the kid is stuck with Harry, Henry, sorry, is stuck with him. And, you know, he's kind of getting used to, like, right away, he, he's out of the car and he puts him to work. Okay, all right, so start shoveling the manure into the back of the truck. And he's like, what? And he goes, yeah, get, get to work. You're here to work. I was like, okay, this is great. But they gradually bond. But weird things are happening, and there's a neighbor who's really kind of weird, who shows like a maybe a little too much interest in Henry, not like in a creepy sexual way, thank goodness, because that would be a different movie, but still in a creepy way. <laughs> and Grandpa kind of like chases him away and says, get the hell out of here. Well, it turns out there's a secret about this this creepy neighbor, and there turns out there's a secret about Grandpa, and then there wind up being... Some violent and gory attacks, and maybe a murder or two, and then maybe some extended pursuit. And there's kind of like a Home Alone sequence, but for keeps and kind of terrifying and, and gripping and really well done. Um, yeah, so this would this would be the version of Home Alone you don't show the kids for Christmas because uh, <laughs> it's not fun. Um, but it's very, very well done. Um, good use of the location, just up on some isolated farm out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe they shot it in L.A. on a lot. I doubt it. But it's uh, it looks great. Uh, the characterizations are terrific. Only only actor I recognized at all was again Mr. Ironside. But everyone is is, a, is really good. They keep the suspense going the whole time. Some very interesting twists towards the end of the film. Highly recommend this movie, and you can watch this on Amazon Prime. And, and if you have Prime, it's included, so you don't have to you don't have to fork over an extra nickel. You already paid your whatever it's up to now, one hundred nineteen dollars a year or whatever Prime is now. So this is one of your benefits. So if you have Amazon Prime and you scored a air fryer for twenty bucks like I did on Prime Day, you can watch this for nothing too. So there you go. Excellent fun. If you like murder, uh, fun film, <laughs> and yeah, it is it is pretty pretty violent. So, although probably not quite at the level of uh, the Long Halloween, actually, even though that's animated. So, highly recommend Knuckleball. And if you watch the wrong one, if you watch the 2012 version of Knuckleball, which is about a bunch of baseball pitchers sitting around talking about the pitch, that's a great movie too. So, although it's a little different, a lot less a lot less death. Death by the so. slow pitch. Super, super good movie though as well. I also have another thriller. So I jumped off Prime and then I jumped over to another service called Showtime because they had a sale. Um, so I watched The Black Coat's Daughter. <laughs> I've heard about The Black Coat's Daughter for off and on for a few years. I was like, oh, this is a really cool thriller horror film. And basically no one's heard of it. And I can see why, not because of the quality of the film, but I looked at the box office 
Then again, that's not an indication of the value of a film at all. Uh, but it does, it is a good indicator of how many people have seen the movie, obviously, and how, how, who knows about the film. It made $20,000 in the United States. Yes, that's $20,000. My car costs more than that. that. That's what they, I mean, they rake in that in the morning shift at a Starbucks. Worldwide, it made $38,000. Oh, dear. And, and to be fair, $348. So $38,348. So this got zero distribution. I mean, I, I think I think the producer hand-carried, you know, the cans of film around to every theater. I mean, and now how how the box office could be this low, and this is from IMDb, so I doubt that it's inaccurate. I honestly don't understand how it can be that low because it's a really good film. How it didn't get distribution, uh, it could be that it it might be one of the, these orphan productions that the production company was sold out and then a studio had a deal and then the studio folded. You know, it's just one of these weird things that they just got sucked into a black hole, which would fit because it's the black coat's daughter. But like development hell? No, sorry. Yeah, post-development hell. Jeez. There you go. 2015. So if y'all have seen the TV series Mad Men, one of the greatest series of all time, the young daughter was played by, played by Kiernan Shipka. Excellent actress, especially considering her age. Well, she's still an excellent actress, and she's excellent in this. So this has Emma Roberts and Kiernan Shipka. So, and Lucy Boynton. So Kiernan plays Kat, Catherine, and Lucy plays Rose. So Kat and Rose, they go to an all-girls Catholic school, boarding school, and holidays are coming up, and they're closing up for the holidays. All the parents are coming in to pick up their little darlings, and Rose is waiting for hers, and she's delayed her parents by a day because she had to talk to her boyfriend about a serious situation. And Kat just said, well, if she got the days crossed up, and she thought they were coming on, she thought the last day was, fr was Friday, and she didn't realize it was this day, so they're going to be coming on Friday. And the headmaster is like, well, you, you, you girls can't really stay here. And, and it's like, well, okay, fine. We've got a couple teachers. They're going to stay because they're staying over the week to make sure everything's okay. You guys can stay. But Rose, you got to watch Kat, make sure everything's okay. Now, Kat is kind of a, I wouldn't say she's troubled, but there's something weird going on with her. She's kind of spaces out occasionally. Um, she just kind of looks into corners and just starts kind of inappropriately grinning, not like in a creepy way, but it's like, what the hell are you smiling about? We're having a serious discussion, which is a conversation that comes up in the film. So she's off. She's just kind of off. Something's weird with her. I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are stuck with me after all. So Kat and Rose. Rose is an upperclassman, upperclass woman. Rose, Kat is a freshman. Again, this was filmed and released in 2015. Um, and Rose is kind of like, oh, gosh, I'm going to get stuck babysitting this chick. It's like, okay, well, I'll stay out of my stuff, blah, 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 kind of a typical thing. And then and Kat continues acting kind of trippy and weird. And Kat has these visions of a terrible car accident. So you're not sure if her parents are coming at all or if they're dead. And then we get introduced to the character Joan. So Joan is having flashbacks to being in a mental institution, being restrained at a mental institution and escaping. And she's hitching a ride. 
and a character that most people will, kind of character and actor most people will recognize, James Remar. He plays a fairly important role in this. He's a dude who just happens to pick up Joan, who's sitting at a bus station, and says, hey, you know, come on, come, I'll, you know, we'll give you a ride. My wife's over in the car. And at first I'm thinking, yeah, sure, your wife's in the car, creepo predator. And it turns out, no, he isn't. His wife's really in the car, and they're really <laughs> okay people, which is like, okay, that's a nice twist for James Remar not to be playing some evil son of a, you know, bastard. So, but the problem is Joan's kind of weird. So Joan is spacing out. She keeps on having weird visions. So we cut between Joan's story, and it turns out Joan is heading in the direction of this school, and we go back to the school, and Kat's having kind of strange visions and having disturbing visions, and, and Rose is... Rose is... There's something... Now there's something kind of off with Rose, and you're wondering what what trippy thing is going to happen and trippy things start to happen with with cat and rose and they have weird discussions with the two ladies and then rose is telling cat that yeah there's rumors that you know all the nuns here that they that they were really satan worshipers which gives everything another spin and joan starts acting really weird with with uh james remar and his wife and then James Ramar and his wife having a discussion about their child who had died. And, you know, he's telling Rose, oh, you really, or Joan, he's telling Joan, that, oh, you really look a lot like her. And then the wife says, you don't look anything like her. So things get progressively stranger and stranger. Um, I'll, I'll just brief, briefly, IMDB says, two Catholic schoolgirls, Cat and Rose, get left behind at their boarding school over winter break as the other girls leave, where it's rumored that the nuns are Satanists. Meanwhile, a disturbed mental patient, Joan, an escapee, is picked up by a middle-aged couple who drive around a determined trip to the same school, where the girls must face the supernatural and demonic possession. Okay, so the demonic possession, eh, not that much of a spoiler. But this movie is so much stranger than that. So much stranger, because it's really hard to tell what the hell is going on. And that's by design. It's not that it's poorly written. It's extremely well-written, extremely well-constructed. It's weird and trippy and hard to decipher on purpose. So you're really wondering what the hell is going on? When will it make sense? Not in a bad way, but just trying to process what's, what's going to happen. And then things happen and then you figure out what's happening. Except even towards the very end, you're still not quite sure, at least I wasn't, exactly how, how it all tied in. And, but again, that's by design. It's not because there's plot holes and it's like, well, these people are idiots. A, a fifth grader must have written this. My apologies to my fifth graders. They would do better than some of the movies I've seen. But this is really, really well, well done. It's somewhat ambiguous by design. It turns out we're... Well, I won't. I'll just, just, just watch it. And you'll figure out how, it, how it things turn out and why things played out the way they did. But it does get kind of violent and kind of tasty and kind of tasty in a horrifying way and very creepy and gradually builds. In this way, it kind of reminds me of Hereditary, which is one of my favorite horror movies of the past 20 years. Because it, it's got this slow build of dread and not to the extent that Hereditary launches into full-on crazy-ass mode. Because, oh my God, the last 15 minutes of that movie is freaking insane. Like some of the most violent insane crap ever uh this doesn't get to that level but it's okay it doesn't have to 
this does have this slow build of dread. It's very interesting the whole time. Again, you're kind of playing detective, and sadly, you're not Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne probably could have figured it out, but maybe not at the long Halloween stage of his career. So, very good, entertaining film. Definitely gets crazy and wild. So, if you liked Hereditary, think you can think of this as a as a maybe second cousin because it has that similar build. Storyline is completely different, but it has that similar slow build of dread. And this is weird, and this is getting weirder. And then, oh, geez. I didn't think this was going to happen, not the way it did. So, again, Black Coat's Daughter, that's on Showtime. Uh, and I'm sure, I mean, it's came out in 2015. And like I said, they didn't make 38,000. The guy will probably come to your house and show it. So, uh, highly recommend this. Uh, of the two, I, I can't really pick one over the other. It's like both Knuckleball and The Black Coat's Daughter, both excellent thriller, dread-filled horror films. You see, the last film I got, not a horror film. Yay! Um, but I would actually put it above the long Halloween. Oh. And if you do this correctly, yes. this could be one of the greatest movies of all time, no matter how screwed up it is. Mm. Now, I'm going to set this up by telling you that this was a, uh, it's a charity movie, really. Uh, to benefit the World Central Kitchen. Had I heard of that before this? No, but that's okay. Um, and it was originally produced for Quibi, which, as we know from previous shows, no longer exists. Yes. So it's actually not one movie. It's, I think there's like nine chapters to this. But if you find it on YouTube, which you can for free, you get them all squished together, which is a good thing. Now, here's what the movie is. Well, actually, no. I'm going to tell you something else about the movie first. <laughs> you know how some people try to make uh, demo demo reels for themselves and recreate movies using their phone? And you think, this is crap, but it's gi that giving them acting time. That's what this is. This is an entire movie, almost word for word, recreated using people on their phones during the pandemic so none of these actors can really interact with each other unless they're like married couples or something now here's the catch the movie is called the princess bride i knew it i haven't seen this version but i knew it the uh and the thing is no character actually no that's not even true there is only one character in the entire movie who is played by just one actor <laughs> the rest of the I know you've seen The Princess Bride. If not, go watch that and come back to this. Yes. Because that's the way you need to do this properly. The Dread Pirate Roberts, Wesley, hmm, is played by like 15 different people throughout this movie. And it, it sometimes it'll switch mid-scene, which is just weird. For example... um. There's one scene where there's a husband and wife pairing. And the husband is playing Wesley. The wife is playing Buttercup. And all of a sudden the screen goes funky. He's playing Buttercup. She's playing Wesley. It's that kind of a thing. 
If they need to go from point A to point B, like they do in the movie on their horses, they'll pick up a stuffed pony and run along with it. They'll pick up a puppy dog. Oh, this is my horse and pretend to ride that off screen. It is very, there, there is no budget to this. You can tell it's just people holding their phones, redoing the movie. Now, why do I think this is one of the best movies of all time? It's because of the cast. Let me tell you the cast here. The uh, Princess Buttercup Wesley Switch thing I told you about a minute ago. Brandon Routh and his wife, Leslie Bibb. Let's go through some of the other cast lists here and brace yourself. It's a long list. <clears throat> Rob Reiner. Yeah, that's right. That Rob Reiner. John Cho. Brian Cranston. Uh, Courtney Ford. Shaquille O'Neal. Seth Rogen. Fred Savage. Uh, let's see, Sam Rockwell. And I, no, I'm not telling you everybody. I'm just giving you a few <laughs> here and their names. Sarah Silverman, Dave Batista, Neil Patrick Harris, Diego Luna, Chris Pine, because you can't have one of these movies without one of the Chris's in it. <clears throat> Paul Rudd, Jason Siegel, Sophie Turner, Jack Black, Carrie Elwes, who does not play his original role. Josh Gad. <laughs> Uh, Pedro Pascal, David Spade, for Christ's sake, pops up in this. Taika Watiti, Penelope Cruz. Oh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Tiffany Haddish. John Malkovich plays the clergyman who marries the people at the end. He is the only person to have that as the only character you'll remember that has one person playing it. Uh, let's see. Zoe's Saldana. Sal I can never pronounce her name. Saldana. Carl Reiner, Ernie Hudson, Don Johnson, J.K. Simmons, uh, uh, let's see, Hugh Jackman, Andy Serkis, Elijah Wood. And yes, those two are in the same scene together. It's hilarious. Charlize Theron, uh, Robert Wool, and Adam Sandler. I finally found a movie I like Adam Sandler in. This is hilarious because they rarely go through an entire scene with the same actors playing the same role. And the fact that it is done on a budgetless movie on a phone, use every so often you will have other special effects like, oh, what did we do for the boat scene? Legos. <laughs> I remember when the news came out that they were doing the read, they were doing the, the, the live read of, of this for the pan, during the pandemic. And it's like, this sounds really interesting, but I've never watched it. So, this is a different thing. This is a different thing. This, this is not is different. The live read was uh, getting the original cast back together, right? Um, that did it, and they did a live read of the original screenplay. This is a different thing. Ah, they are actually walking through the scenes oh, and trying okay. to act it out on their cell phones. It is bizarre, and. Just hilarious. For tonight. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, search for the Princess Bride World Central Kitchen. And you will find it. It's about an hour and 20 minutes. And I did not name half the cast. It's got that many people in it. Everybody, you're going to go, that looks... For I did not recognize Charlize Theron mainly because she was playing uh, Vicini. <laughs> That's good. I'll let you figure that one out when you get there. It's just weird. But uh, 
low budgetless special effects. Uh, and Kinsey plays it is it is so worth watching. And yes, Dave Batista and Shaquille O'Neal do both play Fezzig at some point. <laughs> it, it's it's something that just has to be watched. Um, so yeah. Depending on which version you watch, it's an hour and seven minutes and 33 seconds or an hour and eight minutes and 12 seconds. But it's short. short yeah, enough it's, it's not a long thing. Amazing. It, it, is, it is spectacular. I cannot recommend this enough. Well, I'm sold. There, there is a uh, YouTube video of Carrie Elby's talking about the making. It's called Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride. That is 38 minutes long. So <laughs> you can watch you can watch an interview about the making of the original, which I'm sure would be very fun, or you can double your time investment and in, in, in watch this new creation of the Princess Bride. That's brilliant. I love that. It, it's it's not at all what I expected. My kids came to me and said, "You need to see this." And um, when I first heard about it, I went, "This sounds horrible." And I'm sure I even described it horribly, but I sat down, I watched it, and I laughed my ass off. So well, it's a great weight loss routine. There's, <laughs> there's a supercut of called the 88 Actor Princess Bride Supercut. So there are at least 88 actors in this. And J.K. Simmons is in it, too. So yeah. if I wasn't already sold, basically everybody's in it. So <clears throat> really, You're going to recognize like half the cast of The Office. I mean, uh, uh, we're about the only two people who aren't in it. Which so now you can watch it and you'll think, yeah, it's good. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Four movies, all worth seeing this week, and one of them absolutely free. How do I know that? You're listening to an internet radio show, which means you have the internet, which means you have YouTube. There is no excuse not to watch The Princess Bride. None. The other ones you may have to pay for a subscription for. None okay. at all. And, by the way, once you're on YouTube, if you don't have the original, you can rent it or buy it on YouTube. So there you go. Because that's now Google Movies, in case you didn't know. So if you used exactly. to have Google Movies, you ain't got it no more. Not if you're using Roku. Because now it's on YouTube. Anyway, all your stuff transferred over. Spectacular movies. So now we've given you something to watch for the next week or so. So you have no excuse not to stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. My